found yourself asking yourself questions like, why do I keep getting into relationships with narcissists? Is everybody a narcissist? Why am I so attractive and attracted to narcissists? Is there something wrong with me? Is it me who's the problem? What is it that makes us so attractive to narcissists in general? Hearing people say hurt people hurt people to excuse abuse, it's almost abuse, right? This can impede us. Even nice people end up hurting other people because of their own pain. Some of us are actively attempting to do better, to heal. And as the great Maya Angelou once said, when you know better, you do better. The thing is, narcissists, they don't ever know better because they can't go outside their own heads. And they don't do better because they don't think anything's wrong with them. A lot of people think, well, narcissists must only go for people who are easy to manipulate. Maybe they're not all that smart. Maybe they're kind of slow or, you know, they just don't have it going on. Or maybe they're weak because in our minds we think narcissists must be looking for people who are weak, right? Because they want someone they can control, someone they can overcome, overpower, be the boss of. But here's the shocker. That's actually the opposite of true. The first thing I would ask you to think about is the possibility that maybe it's not that you're attracting more narcissists than other people, but maybe you're letting them stay longer than other people would. And this could have to do with something in your childhood or a lack of self-esteem or a number of things all related back usually to what I would call a high threshold for abuse. You usually get one of those because you doubt yourself a lot and narcissists are really good at making us doubt ourselves. Codependence or SLDs predictably, reflexively fall in love with narcissists and the same. Someone who makes them look good. Someone who looks good on their arm. Or someone who everyone around them might feel jealous of them forgetting. A very attractive woman, a very attractive man. Someone who the narcissist can get their hooks into and feel an ownership of. And also someone very physically attractive, common. Or someone who has accomplished something that the narcissist can kind of glom onto and be part of. Someone who makes them look and feel like they're a better person for being involved with that person. And I find it interesting how often I look at our Spanily members, the people in our support groups, people here on YouTube, and I see how beautiful everyone is. Now, we don't always realize it, but it's true. Narcissists are not into slow people or unintelligent people or unattractive people. So if you have found yourself with a narcissist, chances are you're probably attractive as well as intelligent and probably stronger than you thought because narcissists love a challenge. Whether they mirrored you or they chose to use a persona that complimented your own or they just tried to be the perfect person for you, they weren't really who they claimed to be and by now you probably know that. Maybe they even pretended they were into the same things you were into, or they pretended that they liked the same things you like. And on top of that, they probably made sure to hand you everything you needed and wanted in any given moment during the love bombing phase. But at some point, things got a little worse, didn't they? They didn't follow through on the person you signed up for, the person they claimed they were. And then you spent the rest of your relationship intermittently seeing glimpses of them and then being devalued and discarded repeatedly in between those glimpses. Narcissists want someone who has characteristics maybe they don't have or who owns certain qualities or certain things that they want. Maybe that person has certain talents that the narcissist admires or that person has certain character traits that the narcissist wants or thinks that other people want. Or maybe that person is really, really good looking and the narcissist feels like they could be some sort of trophy. Or maybe that person's really strong-willed and they really know what they want in life and they have all the things happening that are moving them in that direction. They're someone who in general tend to impress people they meet. They really want to kind of stand in that person's light. Narcissists themselves are naturally dark people, as in they 
don't have this inner light to shine out and, and share with the world. And so what do they want? They want to consume the light that you have. Personally, I think that narcissists who meet amazing people like you and who manage to get you under control, who manage to manipulate you and gaslight you and make you think you're not good enough or make you think you're crazy or whatever it is they're trying to make you think. A lot of it has to do with the need to both control you and manipulate you into doing what they want. They will withhold just to, until they get what they want. They use it as a bargaining chip. Sometimes they withhold because you didn't do something right or say something right for them. Sometimes they just don't enjoy it and so they, you know, fake it to get you on the hook and then they just stop. And in some cases, they might have found a new supply and have decided that they're going to move on with that person, but they're not quite ready to pull the trigger yet. They might be cheating. There are lots of different reasons, but mostly it's about manipulation and control in my experience. They see you as a challenge, you see. They feel more accomplished if they're able to actually stop you from feeling good about yourself, from feeling like you are strong-willed. And yet, of course, on the flip side of that, they also find themselves feeling like they're not as attracted to you when you are broken. So what I mean is they might see you like a wild horse that needs to be tamed and broken. And that might be very attractive to them. But once they actually do tame and break you, suddenly they're bored with you. They've got nothing else to say, nothing else to do. They're done. Sound familiar? Bottom line, whatever it is that the narcissist likes about you, they will inevitably try to destroy that thing in you. Yeah, no question. Trauma bonding is nothing to play with. It's serious. It makes you do things you would never normally do. For example, when I left my ex-husband, not only did I replace everything in the house that I took with another thing like it, even though I had no money, but I also sat with him for hours teaching him how to pay the bills, teaching him how much money he would need to make to survive and keep the little tiny house that we had, which wasn't much, and, um, you know, trying to help him be okay and be a, a grown-up. And this was despite the fact that he had been eight years older than me. <laughs> And despite the fact that he had abused me to the point that I had to run away and go somewhere else that was not a great thing at the time. So maybe you have a really great career and you're successful and your life is awesome and the narcissist wants in on that. And yet somehow during the course of your relationship, the narcissist manages to destroy or at least slow down your career. Or maybe you're someone who has a, a public persona and they want to be with you on the red carpet everywhere you go. And suddenly they start some kind of drama that causes your career to go down the tubes. Maybe they're jealous that you have a really good relationship with someone in your family, your whole family. They want to be part of it. And yet, as you take them to family events and, and do all these things, they're constantly undermining and undercutting. And before you know it, you're estranged from your family. Not only do narcissists want to isolate you in order to control you, but they want to destroy the things in your life that are good. Because people with narcissistic personality disorder tend to see you and other people in their lives as extensions of themselves, they are always looking for people who are one step above them or 10 steps above them. And not only does that make them feel like they've conquered something by getting your attention and getting you to be with them or spend time with them, but it also sort of makes them feel as though they have accomplished what you have accomplished. Number two, the narcissist looks for someone who validates them, someone who listens to their feelings, listens to what they have to say, and tells them, honey, you're so right. I totally get it. 
This is the person who walks around saying yes to the narcissist. Yes, you're amazing. Yes, you have valid feelings. Yes, I believe what you say. Yes, you seem real to me. This person will overlook their flaws. This person will basically hold them up on a pedestal and tell them how great they are. Sometimes this person is their mother or their father. Sometimes this person is a boss or a friend and sometimes it's a spouse or a partner. This person will find all the things that are right with the narcissist and lift those things up and any flaws the narcissist has, this person will minimize and sort of shove aside in order to make the narcissist feel good. I think I was this type of person and I still am up to a point and we think maybe I can help that person or maybe it'll get better or maybe people change or maybe they're just insecure because we're not committed yet and then you allow that person to stay in your life. That's one possibility. I always felt like I needed to help people in my life, whether they were my friends or family members or partners, to feel better about themselves and so it was my mission in each relationship to lift up that person and make them feel better about themselves. And when that's done, a lot of times a narcissist will dump you and walk away or they'll use you for supply because you validate them so well. Does that ring true for you? Most empaths are always going to do their very best to try to hold up everyone else's self-esteem. And this is why narcissists are very attracted to this nurturer type. And number three is kind of similar to number two, but it's a little different. This is someone whose sole purpose in the narcissist's mind will make them feel good about themselves. Now, this could be a combination of one and two. This could be somebody who looks really good and validates everything they say and feel. Or it's someone who just lifts them up for who they are. This is someone who is always doing their very best to make everyone around them feel amazing. They might help the narcissist feel better about him or herself by constantly issuing compliments to them, constantly telling them how great they are, kind of picking them up whenever they're sad. This is the type of person who's going to react quickly and swiftly to any extreme emotion expressed by a narcissist and they're going to do their very best to hold them up so they don't fall into their own pit of self-hate, self-loathing. This person will give them lots of compliments and lots of shows of affection, maybe a public display of affection, or maybe, you know, they'll Facebook call them out for being amazing or whatever it is. This person is all about not just privately lifting this person up, but also publicly and making that person feel like a million bucks. And then finally, number four, which we've kind of already touched on, the person who has stuff going on in the positive for them. It's a person who is perfect in every way. Whether this is someone who is strong family relationships or a great career or someone who is a model and they're walking the runway, this is a person that the narcissist feels is impressive to them in some way. So it's someone who they almost feel like they have to reach up to get. And if we're being honest, all four of these people on some level are someone the narcissist has to reach up to get. And as soon as that narcissist gets their hooks into someone and recognizes that that person is in fact only human, the idealization phase ends and boom, they find themselves being devalued and discarded in sometimes cycles and sometimes the permanent discard comes, but usually there's some hoovering involved. Because even the narcissist who has everything, even a narcissist who is wealthy financially and has everything going on for them, they very often miss the important things in life. They don't have any real connections with people. They don't have any real friends or people they can count on because they have alienated everyone or because the people who are in their lives are just scared of them and they're only doing what they do in order to avoid the narcissistic rage coming their way. Never tell a survivor of narcissistic abuse that what didn't kill them made them stronger. Actually, it regulated their nervous system, gave them intrusive thoughts, nightmares, Flashbacks, low self-worth, hypervigilance, eating disorder, constant self-doubt, even their own perception. 
panic attacks, phobias, etc. Hyperawareness, compromised immune system, trapped in life, trapped in your body, physical effects, sometimes fibromyalgia or chronic pain, PTSD, CPTSD, social anxiety, no friends, agoraphobia, depression, anxiety, general overwhelm, no self-esteem, constant self-blame, trouble making decisions, unable to trust yourself, forgetting everything. As much as I like to look for the silver lining, the fact is nobody should have to go through narcissistic abuse. It is horrible, painful, physically and otherwise, even if you weren't physically touched by the narcissist. Maybe it doesn't make them stronger. You feel me on this? Here are my three theories on why you might be a source of narc bait, as it were. Take a look. You're an empath or an HSP. Those of us who tend to attract narcissists tend to be empaths and other HSPs or highly sensitive people who are wired to sense the emotions of others. To a narcissist, an empath can kind of be like crack. It's that whole vampire fairy factor, you know? You're trying to fix your broken childhood. Another theory is that we are working on fixing our own issues from childhood or earlier in our lives. Listen to this quote. We choose our partners because they represent the unfinished business from our childhood. They manifest the qualities we wish we had. In doing so, choosing such a challenging partner and working to give them what they need, we chart a course for our own growth. I heard this quote in an episode of Modern Family that I happened to catch a while back and boy it really stuck in my head. It really made me think, isn't it possible that one reason we find ourselves attracting narcissists is because each time we deal with one we never really heal afterward and subconsciously we're trying to solve the unfinished business from our childhoods? I think yes. Next up, you avoid confrontation like the plague. Yeah, a narcissist has a way of testing people early on in the relationship. And if you're one who's, who is willing to work through anything, or you get upset but ultimately let them have their way, well, a narcissist knows they've struck gold. So if you're sort of a person who tends to be a people pleaser, or to be often described as too nice, watch out. You're exactly what a narcissist looks for in a person. I'm going to share one more theory with you, and this one's from an old video. It's just a short little clip, but I think it has some insight that could really be helpful for you. So take a look at this. So why do empaths and narcissists tend to feel an almost magnetic pull from one to the other? They are obviously very different types of people, complete polar opposites in most cases. We have a lot of theories, but at the heart of it, where the narcissist is lacking, we have strength, and where they sometimes have strength, we empaths sometimes lack it. So the first thing I think is that is important to remember here is that while we as empaths are often targets for narcissists, it doesn't mean that we're powerless. Knowing who we are and knowing what we need is going to make it a lot easier for us to draw the line between a first date with a charmer and the relationship from hell if we're careful. So if you find yourself in a toxic relationship, you already know that the best solution is to leave because it's not really your job to fix anybody else, okay? You have to take care of yourself at this point and any children you may or may not have. So the first thing is that the narcissist will often create a certain sense of comfort, believe it or not, for the empath. Now, how does that work and why does that happen? The empath feels a really strong connection to the narcissist, even if the narcissist doesn't do anything to let the empath know that they're on track with their feelings. Part of that is because the empath loves to love. You know, that's who we are. We love to love people. We like to make people feel better, feel whole. We want to make people feel like they're decent people worthy of our attention. The problem, of course, with that is that the, the narcissist is increasingly controlling. The more love and care you show for a narcissist, the more they're going to try to control you in the process, believe it or not. So the narcissist will make the empath feel like everything is going great because the narcissist is constantly looking for validation from the empath. And the empath, of course, is happy to give it. So they'll say things like, oh, do you love me? Do you really love me? And of course, 
inevitably, if you're watching, you'll notice that the narcissist loves to turn the conversation around right back to him or herself. And that puts the empath in a position that we're very comfortable and familiar with talking about someone else. Do you ever notice how if you find yourself in one relationship that is toxic and you're dealing with narcissists on whatever level, chances are that you're probably going to find yourself in another relationship just like that one, but different. Attachment is defined as a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another person. Attachment theory basically helps us to understand our relationships and how our relationships with our mothers could affect us and our lifelong development and even our relationships with others in really profound ways. In psychology, attachment theory as we know it today was first originated in 1958 when psychiatrist John Bowlby recognized the importance of a child's relationship with their mother. It turns out he realized that our emotional, social, and cognitive development are directly affected by our attachment to our mothers. Now, along with fellow researcher James Robertson, Bowlby found that children who were separated from their mothers would experience extreme distress. This would lead them to anxiety, and they assumed that this might have been related to the idea that their mothers fed and cared for them. But then they noticed that the separation anxiety would not diminish even when the kids were fed and cared for by other caregivers. Now, before this, the reason they thought this was because other researchers had sort of underestimated the bond between the child and the mother and assumed that the feeding of the infant was the thing that bonded the mother and the child. Well, Bowlby was the first to propose that attachment might be an evolutionary thing, as in the child's caregiver is obviously the person who provides the child with safety, security, and food. So he thought being attached to the mother would increase a baby's chance of survival. Simply attachment theory explains that our psychological health or ill health is caused by the manner in which we were loved, respected, and cared for during our critical ages of development between birth and up to eight years old. Uh -huh. And if we endure psychological harm, abuse, neglect, mental manipulation, or we are deprived or neglected or abandoned, we don't get to attach to a uh, nurturing parent figure. And without that attachment, we don't develop the potential to be healthy, high-functioning adults. So if you were raised by a narcissist and loved conditionally and, and had to mold yourself into the type of trophy the narcissist needed in order to get anything, and you will have not experienced positive and nurturing attachment, and that will have impact on your psychological health and your adulthood, it will also have impact on the relationship choices that you make as an adult. And so attachment theory explains through my human magnet in her book, why SLDs or codependents always choose narcissists because they only experience that type of love because they respond to and are attracted to people that fit what I call the, the relationship template that, that they experienced in their childhood. And that's how chemistry is. If a oh. child who was brought up by the pathological narcissist and who did not attach in a way that would be healthy is going to find the narcissist as familiar and paradoxically safe because they know and have experienced their whole life living with that person and they know what to do. We already know that narcissists have a lot of negative personality qualities. We already know that they want something that doesn't exist. I talked in a previous video about how narcissists seem to want a unicorn. But in addition to that, they have these outrageous expectations that are unrealistic for partners and family members, friends, coworkers, anyone who's going to be close to them. Grab a pen and a piece of paper if you have a minute. Pause the video. I'll wait.
So my first question for you is, do you have clear boundaries in place? Do you have deal breakers in place that would cause you to immediately end a relationship with someone? For example, in my life, I have three basic deal breakers and they are don't physically hit me. Don't emotionally hit me. Those are really both together. Don't abuse me. Don't hurt my children in any way and don't cheat on me. Those are my deal breakers. You've got to have boundaries and deal breakers in place if you're going to be in any sort of healthy relationship. Another question, have you ever left a relationship because that person was insensitive or didn't care about your feelings or because they were too selfish? Have you? Ask yourself that question. Let's say the relationship started out great and let's say that over time it goes downhill. Would you leave the relationship or would you stay in the relationship with hopes that it would get better. Another question, do you allow people to devalue you or tear you down emotionally? Do you allow people to make you feel bad about yourself? Have you ever found yourself making excuses for someone else's bad behavior? So if they were rude to you, do you just go, well, they had a hard day? Or do you tolerate any sort of verbal abuse at all? making excuses for their behavior in the process, any sort of abuse. If someone abuses you or, or crosses your boundaries or your deal breakers, do you leave immediately or do you stick around and try to fix it? These are important questions to ask yourself and here's why. If you value yourself, you will behave in ways that will show the world and any narcissist or potential connection that you will not tolerate certain things. So if you go into the world with an open mind and an open heart, but with those deal breakers in place, with those boundaries in place, it's very possible possible that you can end up finding a decent person. My point is you got to raise your standards. You can't tolerate things like abuse. You can't tolerate even some of the smaller things like someone who's just a little selfish. A little selfish is one thing. Excessively selfish with a lack of empathy is a toxic person and you can't let toxic people be part of your inner circle. Have you been invalidated by someone in your life on a consistent basis? Did they have you doubting your sanity, making you wonder if maybe you really were crazy? If so, you're not alone. Chances are you might have been dealing with a narcissist in a toxic relationship. And this channel was created for you. After realizing that I had experienced narcissistic abuse from first a parent and then a spouse, I recognized that there must be others like me. People who were thinking that something was wrong with them or that they were crazy as they went on suffering in these dehumanizing toxic relationships. And this led me to my life's mission. My name is Angie Atkinson and I help narcissistic abuse survivors recognize, understand, and overcome their abuse and then to evolve and level up their lives so that they can be truly happy and fulfilled. I offer validation of your experience, explanation of the psychology behind that experience, and tools and tips and ideas to help you stop being codependent and start becoming the best possible version of yourself. What do you think? Now it's your turn. It's time for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, what other traits would you add to my list? What else might make you attractive to narcissists? And what do you think that you can do to change that? Do you see the connection between how you were raised and nurtured as a child and how your adult relationships develop? Share your thoughts, share your experiences, share your ideas, in the comment section below and let's talk about it. As always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life and hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. Now before I go, make sure you take a look at the videos I'm leaving for you right here and right here. And while you're at it, hit the subscribe button so we can stay connected and continue on this healing journey together. I'll see you soon.